and welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show. Thank you for joining us here today. A uh, quick reminder, Moonshine Jesus Show is, re, is brought to you by ProgressiveChristianity.org. And we also encourage you to follow us on the Facebooks. You'll find a, a, a page there for us, as well as all the places you get your podcasts. Please uh, check us out there. Uh, but uh, more importantly, let me welcome my good buddy, Caleb. Caleb, I'm so glad to see you today. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing wonderful, Mark. How about you? Excellent. I am doing great. I'm excited to see what you think. We're going to be talking about uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Should be interesting uh, conversation. Real quick for all of you that are out there watching and joining us for this, this will be a spoiler full uh, uh, podcast. We will be talking about all the things that will ruin the movie for you if you haven't seen it yet. So uh, just know that going into it. Uh, but as we get started here, Caleb, uh, I'm curious to find out, we always do some kind of a themed drink. So what direction did you go with for your themed drink today? Okay, so for the past several weeks, we haven't been doing, uh, you know, shows where there were themed cocktails that you could easily find online, but right. yeah. this time there was, and so yeah. I... Uh, I found uh, a cocktail for Ant-Man. It's called nice. Ant-Man Shrinking Punch. And it <laughs> is about a, a cup of cranberry raspberry juice, a freshly squeezed orange and soda water, and a shot of vodka. So I like this oh, because it's red like Ant-Man. But also uh, in, quanta, in the quantum realm, there's this red yes. juice, you know, that they yeah. can drink and, and then yeah. it allows them to understand each other. So I like the fact that it was red yeah. for that reason too. How about you, I Mark? What are you drinking? Well, I decided to go my own way. Uh, I, I mm -hmm. wanted to do something that kind of uh, uh, accented Kang. So I will look for a, a green drink. Ah. I found a drink called a shamrock. And uh, what I did was I substituted Irish whiskey with American bourbon uh, it is uh, Irish whiskey or American bourbon, a little dry vermouth, some green chartreuse, and a little bit of cream de mint. So I get this lovely green color, and I've rimmed it with purple uh, sugar to give the colors of Kang. Mm -hmm. You might notice that I've got my, my trim is actually a sucker that has edible ants in it. So oh. I've kind of gone the whole way with this. So oh. I, I'm call, applause to you, sir. I'm calling it the, the quantum. I'm going to call it the quantum. The so quantum. cheers to you. I love it. I'm going to drink the ooze. Drink the ooze. Uh, ooze. Drink the ooze. Not bad. Not bad. All right, sir. Let's uh, take a quick break so we can get into a little bit of geeking out. Uh, about this movie. We'll catch you all on the other side of the bra. And welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. Today we are talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. It was just released and it continues the saga of Scott, Ant-Man, Hope, 
the Wasp. And this time they are joined by their family as they travel to the quantum realm. And if you're not familiar with that, it's a subatomic universe that exists outside of space and time. They discover that it is inhabited by a number of weird species, like, say, Bill Murray. And they have to stop <laughs> Kang the Conqueror. So before we get too deeply into this, Mark, I, I want mm. to throw mm. at you my favorite quote of the movie. And I want to get your oh. reaction to this. Okay. So this is... What Cassie, Ant-Man's daughter, says uh -huh. to Darren, an old acquaintance who is in the quantum zone. She says, Darren, it's never too late to stop being a dick. Mark, <laughs> is it ever too late to stop being a dick? That's the, that's the question that is on my mind right now. Absolutely not. It's never, ever too late to stop being a dick. And, you know, Darren manages... To at least lean heavily into not being a dick, uh, as we as, as the movie starts to end itself, um, I was a little sad to see that because Darren ends up being Mordor, which is a very interesting and weird mm -hmm. and funny, but also sort of a menacing character in the comic books. He a lot more menacing than he ends up. He's a bit of comic relief in this movie, and um, frankly. This movie needed a little comic relief. Um, it, it it did. And his uh, his <laughs> death, his, I, we told you this is a uh, spoiler full zone. And so Darren's mm -hmm. death is one of the best parts of the movie and uh, one of the most comedic parts of the movie. Mm -hmm. And as he's dying, he said, at least I died in Avenger. <laughs> and Scott said, uh, yeah, yeah, you're in. Yeah, I love it. Uh, <laughs> I, I think maybe he was my favorite character. Hey, so, okay. So you just said this, yeah. Mark, the, the movie needed a little bit of comic relief. Mm. Um, okay, look, here's here's something that's uh, interesting. This movie's been a little polarizing. Uh, it's yeah. been received very differently from critics and audience members. Critics yeah. have given this a 47% fresh rating, which makes <laughs> that's it not, only the that's second. Not fair. That's uh, okay, well, that's why, that's why I want to get your opinion on it, okay? Because it's a, only the second Marvel movie to be certified as rotten by the critics. Yeah. The other one's The Eternals. Yeah. Uh, but audiences have given it an eighty-four percent, and so right. uh, you're you're an which is also not which is also not fair. <laughs> okay, so where do you put it? <laughs> okay, it, it's uh, not it's not forty-seven. It's not eighty-four. Uh, where do you think it lands, Mark? I put it like seventy-two. It's still it's 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 fresh-ish. It's like not it's quite like splitting the difference. It's yep. like I I took these canned tomatoes. I took these tomatoes from my garden and I canned them. And then a year later, I opened them. It's fresh-ish. It's, it's okay. Like, I think both sides get it completely wrong. I really genuinely do. Like, Okay, well, what are they missing? What's going on? Is it the horrible train wreck that the critics say that it is? Uh, yeah, it is. It's also not. I mean, it's trying to do so dang much, man. It's trying. It, it has yeah, these giant visions of what it wants to do, right? And visually, it is crazy. And I mean nuts. And I mean probably not well courier. Like, they, they did not communicate with each other. I think they basically took, like, I don't know, 15 different uh, graphics groups and said, do something. And then they all did their own damn thing. And then they just... Make it look cool. <laughs> make it look cool and different and unusual. And, oh, let's make sure if you create any creatures, make sure that they are not in any way related to each other like 
let's not see any kind of core development that may have happened in centuries ago that they all came from. Just make them as different. And don't as explain possible. it either. Right. Right. Not don't explain it. Right. Yeah. Don't explain it. And let's have so many different uh, uh, types of environments. Let's. They don't need to relate in any way. Make one desert one and make one kind of blobby thing and then make a, a, a woods thing with lots of Nia, like uh, shining in the dark stuff. And uh-huh. like, oh, it was so it was a train wreck. It was a beautiful train wreck, but it was a train wreck. <laughs> I like that's a good tagline. I like that, Mark. Beautiful uh, train wreck. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. Beautiful train wreck. Train wreck. <laughs> I mean, there was so there was so much that was good about it. Like I love, I did not. I enjoyed the movie. Like it was fun. Yeah. I had a good time. If I'm being critical and trying to say that they do good movie making, there's a lot of it that was not good movie making, man. Um, yeah. The storyline was okay, but at the same time, like the title of this isn't Quantum Mania. The title is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Right. Frankly, I didn't know, I don't know that we needed Ant-Man or the Wasp in this movie. Like, <laughs> this movie was really uh Janet Van Dyne and mm-hmm. Kang's movie. This was a movie about mm-hmm. those two characters. And so it felt really kind of like wasteful. I mean, well, you got Paul Rudd, one of the funniest like comedic timing is nuts right right yeah he's fantastic and the first two movies they made great use of that really and this movie it just felt like he was i mean he was a character and he had some character growth and development although they had to take away some of the character development from the first two movies and put him backwards like um Mm -hmm. To, to to make to make it work at all, you know, um, they had to make him all of a sudden all, not really care about other people and have his. We'll get to that in the next second, for sure. But it just felt like it felt like it was all over the place. Um, great characters. I think you're. I think you're right. I think you're right, well, man. It's uh. Wait, it, it so was, what are you was, giving? It? I'm giving it a. I'm going to say I give it a seventy-two. Okay. What are you going to give? Okay. It? You know, uh, it's so I, uh, uh, I, I still give it fresh, but I, I'm gonna go in the 60s. I'm thinking like uh-huh. a 60, uh, like maybe a 67. I'm still in the same range. I, I think it's, I think it's fresh-ish. I think, I think yeah. right on the mic. I, um, I think it was definitely one of the weaker uh, Marvel films, and I, I think for the reasons you're talking about, that it was, it was large in scope. It was ambitious, and yet there wasn't a ton of story there and it felt like uh, I, I agree it felt like a, a lot of graphics and uh, and it was it was fun i enjoyed it, it. Was. but uh, yeah. but yeah so here's the thing this movie kicks off phase five of marvel and here's the question that i'm uh, left with as we're yeah. entering phase five so a lot of the the big marvel superheroes that we've gotten to know since 2008 when uh, the MCU was kicked off, a lot of them are gone now. They've 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 died uh, in the right. in the storyline, and we were we're getting this new group of superheroes that's rising up. Um, and some of that's really exciting. You know, we're getting to oh, see uh, yeah. we're getting to see more women. We're getting to see more people of color. We're getting to see a more diverse group and and younger 
too, which I think, which I think is good. Important. But yeah. uh, you know, Mark, I'm kind of wondering. Uh, yeah. Has Marvel overextended themselves here? Um, they've got the movies going on. They've got all yeah. these series going on on Disney Plus. They've got cartoons and everything's interconnected. And it's mm-hmm. a lot to stay up with. And the movies that have come out recently have been, uh, uh, you know, really received mixed reviews from both. Uh, audiences right. are still enjoying them, but it's quality seems to maybe be going down a little bit what do you think is this a strong start to, i, I uh, think five? I, no i actually think they haven't overextended themselves i think the idea of this very unified universe of all these different like television shows matter of fact we get we get a tag at the end of this one it's the first time ever where one of the end credit scenes is actually completely about a show, a television show, a serial. Like, we have not had that before. I actually love that they're integrating them so tightly. I think what's going on here is that they are a victim of their success. Hmm. Early on, before they became this kind of mega movie, like, every star wants to be in the MCU now because they Mm -hmm. are so successful. I think they're a victim of their own success. The early shows, even Ant-Man 1 particularly, didn't follow much of a formula. They kind of let their directors and their writers have fun, which is what made the comic books that this is all based on so successful is that there wasn't a formula. They changed it up. They switched things around. They did new things. They did unexpected things. Even in, like I said, Ant-Man 1 was more of a comedy than it was a superhero show, but it made it work. And now it feels like probably since Black Panther, the original Black Panther, the movies are all kind of formulaic. You don't ever feel like you never feel like the stars are ever at risk. You never feel like the main characters mm-hmm. are at risk. They're going to win. You already know they're going to. There's never you don't ever feel like there's any real uh, tension over what will happen to them. And Quantum Manium is the perfect example of this. Like you never once. I mean, Kang is supposed to be. We're into Phase Five, and Kang is going to be the big bad. Like he is the Thanos yep. of this segment. Um, I don't know about you. While Jonathan Majors, man, what an actor! Uh-huh. Holy yep. crap! Holy yep. crap! What an actor! And, and we should say too that this is uh, one thing critics do agree on is that he yeah. was awesome. <laughs> he was he him was and, the him and Michelle Pfeiffer in the movie. Yeah, he and Michelle Pfeiffer and Michelle carried Pfeiffer. the movie. Yeah. They carry also the movie, 100%. Uh, quite an actress, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. But the fact is, the writing of the way they set this up, I was never, I, I never felt like Kane was really that much of a threat. I mean, yeah, yeah, he was he was threatening, but he was not like holy moly. Uh, we yeah. need to get the Invid- Avengers in on this because it, otherwise it's going to be. I I don't know. For, for me, they're, they, they are a vic- they're a victim of their success. They become too formulaic. They don't allow their directors to do anything interesting, and we don't ever feel like our 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 heroes are ever at risk. I mean, what do you think? That's a great point. Happening? Yeah, you know, I was uh, I I think that uh, whenever we were introduced to Thanos, remember the end credit scene where we were introduced to Thanos. I remember the oh, yeah. theater just oh, going yeah. wild. I oh, mean, yeah. people, people said. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and you're right. With with 
with Kang, he was introduced in a much more subtle way. And uh, even though he was introduced in, in Loki in the, the last episode of, uh, of the first season of Loki. And then here, you know, he's, he's introduced. But um, yeah, in, in fact, I had people who were sitting in the theater with me. I went to watch this in the theater. Uh-huh. And uh, there's a guy who was freaking out that Kang had died so easily. Um, and when it, before we got, I think that's fair. Yeah, he was. And so this was interesting because, uh, also, um, a, a, a black guy who, who has, uh, who is watching Kang and, and wants Kang to succeed. And so whenever the ants are coming, he's like, he got taken out by a bunch of ants. What the hell? <laughs> you know what's going on with that? And so, whenever the end credit scene comes, he literally jumped up and started shouting. I mean, he, 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 so I think uh, I, I think you're right that uh, it, it doesn't feel like like Kang was introduced in in a way that made him threat uh, really a threat. And um, it, it, they defeat them pretty easily. I, I mean, I get that. Well, I think that's my defeated, that's probably but, my big problem. I mean, I, I, yeah. I've I've actually seen a few reviews that celebrated the writing. I think the writing was absolutely not good on this at all. I, I mean, you got yeah. Kang, who is Kang the Conqueror. Like that's the Kang character that we have. Right. It's Kang the Conqueror. He is so bad. He he is so threatening um, that that the other Kangs are like, we have to get rid of him. We're not going to kill him because if we kill him. He may come back in another way and be just as threatening or whatever. So we're just going to put him where he can't do anything. And then you've got this guy who has killed the Avengers so many times that he literally says, it's all sort of a blur to me. It's all become a blur to me. That dude <laughs> yes. gets taken down by Ant-Man, by Ant. the, guy, the guy who can get bigger and smaller. And, and, not a even, bunch of ants. and not even by and Ant a bunch Man, of ants. by ants. Right. It's right? both. It's it's the combination, right? And it's kind of <laughs> like I don't know how that and he's dead. Like there is this whole thing of maybe he's not really yeah. dead. And he's gonna no, yeah. no. Uh, the other Kangs in, in one of the, uh, one of the trailer uh, that we get at the end of the yeah. trailer add-ons talk about that he's gone. The director has said, no, he's literally, that's, it's it. That's all you're going to see of Kang the Conqueror. It's, it's over with. Yeah. Um, I just, I, for me, that was just, I, listen, we could yeah, go. I, we could, we could. And, you know, and I, and I'm interested to talk more about the, the racial issues in, uh, in uh, the, uh, the, uh, this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe and also in how Kang plays into all that. But you, you're right. You know what? We've got to, we got to move on. We got to talk about theology and politics. So why don't we take a quick break and let's come back and dive into it. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You're here for our Theo Politico segment. So, Caleb, you know me. I like to throw curveballs. I like to not ask questions that I think you might be expecting. Uh, you you okay. started off the last segment with one of your favorite quotes. 
Um, okay. I, I'm going to start off with my absolute favorite quote. It almost hit me across the head like a two by four. Um, Scott's daughter, Scott being Ant-Man, his, his, uh, his daughter Cassie says to him, just because it's not happening to you doesn't mean it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was it was great for the movie. It's one of the best lines in the movie. Uh, a matter of fact, I wish that they would have done a lot more developing that, even though it does mean what I hinted at at, at our last segment, that they kind of strip away some of Scott. All of a sudden, Scott ha- has become this guy that's much more interested in protecting his family and not worrying about the world. Whereas one of the most adoring characteristics of him in the first two movies was that even though he was a, 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 a criminal, so to speak, mm-hmm. he really did care about other people. And all of a sudden they take that away from him. And she's like, it just cause it's not happening to you. doesn't mean it's not happening. I'm wondering, is there something there? I think part of the reason it resonated with me is it reminds me so much of parts of the Christian church. Am, am I reading too much in, or do you see that happening? Are there not two, like the difference between just because it's not happening to you? I mean, what were your thoughts when that line was said and how do you relate it to where we are in terms of the church? Yeah, I mean, it's a great line. And it's one of yeah. those that you have to stop and think. It's great writing, you know, makes you stop oh, and yeah. think outside. Absolutely. It takes you even, it hits you in a way that brings you a little bit outside the movie where you can think, mm-hmm. oh, crap, mm-hmm. uh, how yeah. am I doing this, too? In what ways yeah. am, am I letting, oh, yeah. you know, my my perception of the world be defined Absolutely. by my own I think experience? I think I missed I missed probably a few minutes of the movie. Just because that was such a solid line in my you head. You went on your own mental mental right. journey there. <laughs> I had to pull myself back, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's that's what uh, happens in good sermons too, right, Mark? People go go I, off on their own little journey. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't claim to write good well, sermons. That's because no you're reason. giving the sermons. You're concentrating <laughs> on giving the sermons. On giving the fantastic <laughs> sermons that take people. Oh, so I the way it relates that. to. Hey, <laughs> I I forgive you're great. So um, the um, the way it relates to the Christian faith, I think that's very astute, Mark. Right, because so much of Christianity has made the entire focus of the religion about our own personal salvation, our own personal relationship with God. It's very individualistic, and so this is. I mean, even our language, even the body of Christ, broken for for you, you. yeah, not for us, not for the world, for you. I mean. The dogma of the church pushes us towards this, right? Yeah, you're right. A hundred percent. And I mean, and this is, this is especially true. I think in Western cultures, I think it's less true in other manifestations of Christianity, but, but especially in the United States, uh, American Christianity is so individualistic that it's almost like we've forgotten that it's supposed to be a communal religion where we're caring about each other. And, uh, I think that 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 focus on individuality actually like takes away from Jesus's core message to the point where, ah, man, uh, a lot of Christians, I think, are in a, a whole different religion from the one that <laughs> Jesus uh, talked about. Uh, you think? What, what do you go ahead? And, you, yeah, is that fair, Mark? What do you, no, what I think do you that's think that? I think that's very fair. But I also think, you know, I, I'm going to. Uh, I don't, this probably might come off as condescending. I don't know what it's going to come yeah. off as, actually. I do feel like the folks who 
the way that they follow Christianity becomes very individualistic and very self-focused and loses sight of the yeah. fact that just because it's not happening to you doesn't mean it's not happening. Um, I think they get to it in a lot of ways, honestly, uh, and, and I'm going to blame the hierarchy of the church, the, the, the masculine white privilege hierarchy of the church for creating dogma that makes people feel like doing that is actually a sort of like positive thing that it, it, it puts you in a, a, a better place for going to heaven, like that you are doing the right thing. Um, so I have some sympathy for arriving at that point. Um, but I think that we have work that we have to do in terms of helping people break out of that because the church also ultimately teaches follow that dogma and don't question it. Because if you question it, like, what is it? What, what, what the, uh, is that meme that goes around of the church sign that says, uh, an open mind is the devil's playground? Um, <laughs> don't, don't think for yourself. Right, think for exactly. yourself. So dangerous. Like, like <laughs> welcome to church. Check your brain at the door. Like, yeah. It feels like that that is. Is that problematic? A little problematic. And so my question uh, to, to follow up is, yeah. what should the folks who are, who at some point managed to break out of that cycle? I definitely was in that cycle. I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church all the way through high school. I, I was in the Southern Baptist Church. And at some point I had to break out of that cycle. But I chose to remain in the church. What is, what do those of us who are in the church who recognize that it's unhealthy and maybe are sympathetic about folks who have been taught to do it this way, what do we need to be doing to help folks break out of it, to feel safe and not feel like they're res risking their eternity by questioning these kinds of things so that they could possibly recognize it's bigger than just me? Yeah, so I think especially those of us who are in church leadership need to create a space that feels yeah. like it's safe to ask questions. And I think we can model that. Uh, in and how do we do that, that but besides things? just so modeling it? Yeah. So, well, I think, I think we start by modeling it by, by yes. asking questions that people aren't, that people would be afraid to ask like mm -hmm. in public, like in sermons and then, right. and then giving, and then helping people think through answers that are different than, than the answers that they would have been expected to come to in a different place. So you model it yeah. from leadership, right. To say, right. Hey, you know what, actually, I don't believe in hell. Actually, you right. know what? I, I don't believe yep. in individual salvation. You know, actually, mm -hmm. I don't believe. And so whenever you say something like that, people are like, whoa, uh, you have to. Or I thought you had yeah. to. So, or what's so going I, on? I agree, so, with, I agree yeah. with you. How do you, and this is, I think, a very important question, particularly for ministers in, in particular, but also just leaders yeah. in the church. How do you do exactly what you said? Because I'm I'm with you, man. I'm on board. I'm, I'm on that. I'm on that ship with you. How do you do it in a way that invites a person who that might scare to stay on ship, to not jump overboard? How do you do right. that in a so, way that feels safe? Right. So I think I I think you I think you scare them first of all. You you say <laughs> you 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 do it because because I think most of the time people are already silently asking those questions, and so sure. by articulating them, you're giving people permission. And yeah. I've not found a lot of people. I uh, just say, you know what? Uh, that's too much. I'm out of here. Uh, a lot of people come and say, hey, I didn't know I could ask that question. Or, hey, I don't agree with you about that. 
And um, I, I've, I've said things and I've had people come to the door uh, after the service and say, I don't agree with you. And I said, oh, that's fine. I don't care. And right. uh, I've had people more shocked by the fact that I said that than whatever it was that I said that they didn't agree with. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, wait, Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I thought that the church, I thought like church leaders, like pastors, ministry, I thought like they they were the end all be all. So I so I think you, right you model it, but then you also invite them into conversation. You have personal one on one conversations where you where you help people deconstruct those kinds of things. And I think that if you set a culture for that, and people realize that that's okay, then they invest in fully, man, uh, as they as they kind of reconstruct it all themselves. Uh, you know, with God, or at least that's Love been it. my experience. No, How I completely you? agree with. A, no, yeah. I completely agree with you. That's been my experience as well. If you yeah. uh, if if you model making the questions, if you model being open to all kinds of answers, and that you don't expect anyone to follow in lockstep with what you think, uh, it invites the questioning, it invites the exploration, and it invites folks to figure out what is healthy for them in terms of spirituality, and finding safe spaces to question the dogma that they have been served for so long. And I know that you've experienced this as well as I have. When they get to that point, you get to see them open up. You get to see them, their life broaden. You get to see them really reinvesting in spirituality in a way they haven't been able to before because now uh, their ability to think it through and to understand what is real and what makes a real difference uh, and not have to just be regurgitating what they've been told is very freeing, very freeing. All right, uh, we're, get, we're, we're closing into the end of this uh, segment, but I, I have one thing that I do want to uh, get your response yes. to. Um, so hope, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the wasp, she, we, we are told at the beginning of the movie that she is now running her dad's company, but she sort of re-envisioned her dad's company, right? Uh, it's, it's not just a, it's not just, it's almost not even a technological kind of company that's advancing technology and what can we do? She has actually turned it into a company that's usually technology to improve humanity, a company that's sort of a, a, a good in the world powerhouse type of company, but she's also the wasp. Which one of those two does more good for the world? Her as a hero her as a CEO of a company that's working diligently to improve the world in uh, environment, economics, hunger, those kind of spaces. Um, it's easy to get caught up in the whole superhero stuff, but I thought there was a missed opportunity here. Once again, going back to the writing, I felt like set a lot of great things up and then never teed off on them. Mm-hmm. Um this feels like a storyline that, that was dropped that could have could have done a lot. What what are your thoughts on the disparity between those two parts of who she is in this movie? That's a great uh, point, Mark. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think the best superhero comics, whenever they are, uh, the, whenever the writing is at the best, whenever they're delving into the characters yeah. the best, that this is something that's always a tension point. Like, are they going to be more good as a superhero mm-hmm. or as their alter ego? And yeah. what what ways are they balancing them out? And I think where a lot of the comics end up landing is it's a, a both and instead of an either or that, that they mm-hmm. can do both. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 
However, um, you know, I think that there's something to be said uh, about about embracing kind of the, the humanity uh, aspect uh, and, and leadership that they that we can all be taking. I think, you know, uh, eth- ethical organizations that are doing good in the world are probably a much greater power than uh, than superheroes. Where did you land on it? No, I'm completely with you. I, I really think uh, the idea of a superhero is fantastic, but it's also not realistic. One person uh, forcing their will on the world, actually in a big in the big picture, is not good. I I, I don't want to have someone yeah. that's so powerful right. that they can force their own will on the world. But a person uh, who is working to organize, to bring people yeah. together, to figure out how can we collectively make the world a better place, I think that that has a much more likely possibility of improving our world and setting up a model that other people can follow. Very few of us are going to be able to become ant size, become monster size and to destroy. Wait, you can't the do evil. that. Well, you I can't, can, do but that? you're not, I can, but you're not supposed to talk about that. You knew that. Oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot. <laughs> but, but Go yeah, on. I mean, individually, we're not likely on our own to make such a giant difference that we can change the world. But if we work to bring people together, to structure things in a way that improve the lives of those who are being marginalized and hurt and who are struggling, that's the things that will really change the world. And there was such an opportunity in this movie to do some kind of recall, to come back and show her after all the crap that happened, to show her sitting back at her desk and actually making a difference and seeing how it's changing lives. There was such an opportunity there that was missed. I, I wish they would have gone there. Sadly, they didn't. Uh, but, you know, uh, this probably wouldn't have been as commercially successful because it blew the box office away this weekend. Uh, so it's pro- it might be a good thing that you and I aren't writing for them because I know that's what the two of us would have decided should have happened in the movie and i think people would have been oh okay that's fine whatever but it's real it's very real and it could have made a pretty significant okay we've gone on and on sir i've enjoyed the conversation i think we could do an entire second show on this Mm -hmm. but we're not going to be able to so let's take a quick break and we'll come back to a segment where we get to have a lot of fun trying to make each other Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We're in our final segment, the segment where we try to make each other look stupid. A fun segment. Thanks for hanging in uh, till this very end segment. We're grateful that you're here. Okay, Mark. So um, there are a lot of great lines in this movie, as we've talked about. One of the other ones that I, I enjoyed is as the ants are coming in to take out Kang, which we have yes. already revealed they are successful in doing for indeed, better or indeed. for worse. 
Hooray for the ants. Here's my uh here's my sucker with the ants. I'm gonna enjoy a little bit of it just to celebrate the ants. Okay, you should. I hope they don't get you like they got Kang, Mark. Yeah, I hope um, not to. We'll see. Okay, but who knows? I mean, uh, okay, so Michael Douglas's character says as the ants are coming in, I know socialism is a charged word, but we've got a lot we can learn from the ants. Um, Mark, okay, so that do we have something to learn from the ants about socialism and how does that relate to Christianity? Um, yeah. Because if we were going to talk about socialism and Christianity in a lot of Christian circles, we'd get ourselves in trouble. Uh, but uh, I'm curious <laughs> to know what you think about that, Mark. Well, no, I absolutely. Uh, anyone who doesn't think Christianity is about socialism hasn't read the book of Acts. It's pretty simple. I mean, it's, it's not a b- very complicated thing. I mean, you can extrapolate it from the teachings of Jesus pretty easily all need to be caring for each other, supporting each other, and trying to raise each other up and make us equal and loving everyone equally, even our enemies. Uh, but I mean, it makes it so clear in in, in the Book of Acts that that the the ideal uh, scenario for a Christian um, community is that we all uh, love and support each other. I mean, I, I think this is yet another example of the poor bride. God, I feel so bad because these guys are making guys and ladies are making crazy money compared to anything that I am possible. And I could not write a screenplay. I know I couldn't. I would like to try, but I have no doubt that I couldn't. But there's this beautiful setup here of the ants and the socialism of the ants and Kang with his dictatorship fascism that he's trying to install and how the socialism run wins out because of the failings of the self-centeredness of the, because listen, Kang ultimately his downfall is his self-centeredness is his desire uh, to win. Um, and which is a great line where uh, Scott tells to him, I don't have to win. We just both have to lose. Kang needs to win. And he actually destroys himself because of his own greed, because he could have easily, used his uh, time machine chair and gotten out of there. But he wanted to win. So he hung out long enough to bring in a much larger group, which ultimately destroyed him. And for me, that that kind of comes back to your what your question is, is like when we raise each other up, when 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 we are all in it together, it's much better. We all survive. Uh, Kang's dictatorship was all about himself and, and he destroyed himself because of it. He, he, he ultimately isn't around anymore. We're not going to see Kang the conqueror. Um, so yeah, uh, Christianity, are you kidding me? Is it about socialism? <laughs> yeah, of course it is. That is the, the core of the message. If you really love everyone, you want them to be as equally successful as you are. That's socialism. I mean, I'm I'm quoting you on that. I I like that, Mark. You know, one thing that uh, that uh, I was thinking as you're talking about this, there's also, I think, a parallel between Kang and, say, the Roman Empire and uh, Mm. the the ants and this whole uh, and uh, and the early Christian movement. Except that Mm -hmm. the opposite happens, right? Because uh, in real life, the Romans squash 
the the early Christians. And I mean, yeah, Christianity came on and reinterpreted those events. But uh, <laughs> but but the the Roman Empire went on strong and uh, yeah, almost absolutely. unnoticing <laughs> the early Christian absolutely. movement, and so mm-hmm. uh, so in real life it's the the powers that that have gone on, and so I think uh, if we can read kind of a, a message of uh, of hope of kind of. Uh, of, of a, a, a socialist vision or uh, a vision of being together. And uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Mark. I, I, I think that this is ultimately what Christianity is about. And I had a, a mentor in seminary who said, you can't come out of seminary without being a socialist or you haven't read the gospel. You, you haven't really. Love it. it. I, I, I think that. Love my- it. Okay. All right, that's my question. What's yours, Mark? All right, here's mine. My mine is not nearly as uh, important to the to the world as your question really was. My question is this: so I'm going to ask you. I'm, I'm asking a lot of you here. Think back to Ant Man and the Wasp, the movie. Okay, Ant Man and the Wasp, 2018. Okay, so so near the end of the movie. Scott has to go back to get some uh, quantum energy to help the ghost mm-hmm. stabilize herself. And Janet is there with him. Janet, who spent 30 years in the quantum well, realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and as he, before he goes back to capture this quantum energy, she does not warn him about Kang. Why didn't she warn him about Kang? What, what? Why would she not say, oh, by the way, I've been trying not to talk about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn, there's this dude that you might run into who could really, excuse my language, fuck your life up. So be careful. Why did that not happen? They hadn't planned that far ahead. It's <laughs> 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 <And> so frightening <laughs> to know to know who the big bad was going to be after Thanos. <laughs> that was that was still before he was gone. So if if I'm going to, but I think that's the real reason. If if we want to say in the in the continuity of the series what happened, right. uh, then you know she said that. She couldn't. She couldn't talk about it because I think she was. She was ashamed of what she had done, and she felt. Uh, she felt sh- great shame in unleashing Kang on mm-hmm. the, the the various inhabitants of the quantum realm, and so. Um, I think she was at a point where she couldn't deal with that, and so I, I, I think we all have, or many of us have experiences like that, where there are things that we really need to come to terms with, but uh, mm. aren't open enough with ourselves to actually be able to admit those things to ourselves or more importantly to others. Uh, uh, so I don't know, maybe she couldn't, uh, <laughs> maybe she couldn't say it, but maybe she couldn't uh, come to terms with that for herself and, and she wasn't ready to share. But I think, I, I think ultimately Mark, they hadn't written it yet. They hadn't decided <laughs> on Kang. And so, uh, <laughs> so there's no reason to warn What do you think? Where are you? Well, I, th- I, I, I think ultimately you're right. They just hadn't written it and they hadn't thought it through. But he, here is my in-universe answer. Okay. All right. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play with timeline stuff here. Um, okay. 
And you know how I geek out about this kind of stuff. So here, here, here's my in-universe answer. I think she didn't warn him because at that point, she didn't remember Kang. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, I think at that point, she hadn't experienced Kang. In Loki, we have a scenario where he who remains was trying to create one timeline. Mm-hmm. where all these Kang variants didn't happen. And that was during the 30 years that she was experiencing in the quantum realm. I think that uh, Ant-Man 2 happened uh, during that period. So I don't think she had any recall, mm-hmm. not even recall, experience. I don't think her time in the realm at that point included Kang. At the end of Loki, a Loki variant kills Kang, the he who remains, which opens up all the variants of Kang. And one of those variants ends up going to the realm. So I think that Loki happens after Ant-Man 2. And that's what opens her up because all of a sudden there is a variant of Kang that gets exiled and all those memories flood in for her. That's my answer. I'm probably, you know me, I'm stitching shit together. I, but. I, <laughs> I love it, Mark. I think they should hire you to write this because I'm not convinced. I wish, I wish they would because I, I need that money. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be part of a multi-billion dollar uh, enterprise? Because that, that, I'm, that I'm in. I'm in. Because I'm don't, not don't, sure they're going to Don't they need it. a spiritual advisor for this shit? I, I assume they do. <laughs> I think they do. I think they do. And look. I mean, I, that's I'm not my sure only way I can make sense of it, right? I I like that. I I think that ma- that makes it's logical. It makes a lot of sense. And so if not, then you should write a letter uh, complaining <laughs> to Marvel that you had the perfect solution and, and the they're not just passed right by it. Uh, so, okay. Hey, this has been fun, Mark. And it was fun Blast, to get man. to geek out about a superhero movie because it's been a while since one has come Indeed. out. And Indeed. so uh, I'm glad that we got to do this. I was looking forward to this, and I know you were too. So uh, we don't have a superhero movie next week, but no, we Mark, do, do you want to tell them what we're going to watch? Absolutely. Uh, so uh, this is a weird time of the year. Um, everyone's trying not to release anything because during February in particular, it's hard to release something that gets put up for re- awards at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. But there is uh, a recommended show by the New York Times that I, I think you and I have decided might be interested yeah. to do. It's called Vesper. Uh, the title character, uh, Christina, uh, is a 13-year-old who's trying to survive in the post apocalypse um and ironically earth ended up being ravaged in this show by the genetically engineered viruses and organisms that have been invented to fight off environmental doom we've done several episodes where the environmental doom has been important so i think this this could be a pretty interesting show to discuss and figure out where it goes i i can't imagine why things like viruses and the environment are on people's minds. <laughs> right. Can't they write about I, something that's relevant to right. what we're Why in the world through? are people talking about this? I mean, I don't understand why there's... I think out of our last four shows, three of them have been about three this. I don't understand. Why in the world? <laughs> we'll see. So we'll, we'll have something to compare Vesper to. 
Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) I can't wait until next week. Hey, I hope you all will join us next time on the Moonshine Jesus Show. Moonshine Jesus.